Hey, good morning. So glad to see you guys. I've been slacking. I've been away. In fact, I came back and just sat in the service last week and somebody said, hey, where you been? We've missed you here. <laughs> and I was like, man, that feels different. Um, but it's good to be back. My name is Rod Zwemke. I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads. And uh, thank you for letting me go on sabbatical. I'm back now and excited to be sharing a new series with you called Home for Christmas. And uh, whether you're planning on going home or if you are planning on going home and that's a good thing or whether you're planning on going home and that may not be such a good thing. We're actually talking about going home to God for Christmas, and I'm excited about sharing uh, what that means uh, this month with you. Uh, if you would pull out, you should have in your packet got a connection card, and it uh, is an opportunity for to fill some information out and just put as much down as you feel comfortable giving us. We're going to just use this as a way to follow up with you and to pray for you. And also, if, if God speaks to your heart today and you have a next step that you want to take, this is a great tool that we use to help you do so. Look, I'm excited about today. I hope that you are too. Thanks for braving the wet and the cold. One of our folks said, look, that isn't going to stop me from coming and worshiping my God. So thanks for being here. I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to introduce the whole service, uh, or the whole series with a song that Dakota is going to give us. So you can just remain seated during that song and let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that no matter where we've been, no matter what we're going through, no matter, um, God, the situations and the circumstances or even the condition of our, our heart, you say we can come home to you at any time. God, I pray for this series and I pray for today that, God, that there would be a reconciliation happening in our hearts with you, God. That we would come home to you, whatever that looks like for us today, that we would come running back to the Father who loves us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Coming home to Christmas, and just like I prayed, that means any time, anywhere, any place. Thank you, sir. Uh, God is available to us. That God has opened His arms and welcoming us home. Uh, he may have a, a beautiful scene like this set for you and I to come have fellowship and relationship with him, with him. That God is near. And that's really the beautiful thing about Christmas is God has made himself available and our God is now near to us because he came to us and now we can have a relationship with him. In fact, God is so near that he can actually act as like a counselor and a guide and, and an advisor for us. He can grant direction and purpose and meaning in our lives. How many, now this is pre-GPS days, but how many ever stopped for directions and got the wrong directions? Don't you hate that? Or you couldn't follow them. You know, it don't give directions if you don't know where you're going, right? That was sort of the, the mantra I had. Uh, but it's terrible to need direction and not get the right direction that you need. How many of you have asked someone, okay, they, or they've told you voluntarily, hey, this is a great movie, you need to go check out this movie. So you drop like 50 uh, bucks for your whole family to go. And about three minutes into the show, you realize, I don't want to be here. <laughs> 
and you go, thanks a lot for the, uh, for the advice. I'll tell you, we actually got great advice the other day. People had been telling me I needed to eat at Atlas Pizza in Gainesville. Anybody eating there? Uh, it's the bomb, okay? Let me just tell you, we went eight, uh, Friday, Gabe and I, at Atlas Pizza, and it was awesome. And so sometimes when you get bad advice, you feel led astray. When you get great advice, you know you're right where you're supposed to be. Guess what, guys? God wants to speak into our lives. God wants to act as a counselor and a guide for each one of us, regardless of the situation we're in. And you might think, even today, I don't really need to hear from God on high and have this great revelation and know exactly what He wants for my life. But the day is coming when you and I will. And that day might even be today where you need to hear the voice of God. And if we're honest, we would say we have trouble tuning in and really hearing the voice of God in our lives. And without His direction and without His voice and without His counsel, we can end up in the wrong place. He wants us to hear from Him. He wants to speak to our lives because He wants us to make good decisions. I mean, none of us wake up in the morning, you know, you know what? I'm going to blow up my life today. Make a really stupid decision that's going to have impact for years to come. Not one of us do that. So all month long, we're going to be looking at uh, one verse, and, and out of that one verse, we're going to see so much of the character and nature of God. And the first one's going to be how he wants to be a counselor to us. Now, this was given to us by the prophet Isaiah. God spoke to Isaiah 600 years before the coming of Christ. That's, that's uh, almost three times as long as our country has existed. Okay, so six uh, centuries before Christ came, God spoke these words to the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6. Listen to what he says. It says, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Hey, I got good news. If the election freaked you out, I got good news. The election in our government does not rest on a person or a political party. It rests on the strong, broad, trustworthy shoulders of Jesus Christ himself. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And look what how it's described in the scriptures. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so this morning, we're going to look at the first one of these, that God is our counselor, not just the counselor. He's a wonderful counselor that God wants to speak into our lives. You say, you really believe that God speaks and that you can hear him, that God has uh, something specific to say to you today? Absolutely, I do. Absolutely. In fact, Jeremiah 31 says that God, no longer will you have to tell your brother, know the Lord, because we'll all know him from the least of us to the greatest, that God was going to make a way that he wouldn't just talk to Abraham and just talk to Isaac and just talk to Isaiah and just talk to these special people, that he was going to make a way that he could speak to all his children. And that's what part of the new covenant is all about, that Jesus Christ made that way. And when people say, you really believe God speaks, I just want to ask them, you don't? I mean, we believe in the supernatural in almost every other area of our lives that, that you know, creepy, spooky, crazy things can happen. And yet when it comes to our faith, we go, no, God can't do anything miraculous. I wish I, I wish someone would take a poll of the millennial generation and ask how many of them actually believe in zombies. <laughs> I think it would be like 98%. Of people 18 and under believe in zombies. I can't tell you how many conversations I had with that demographic on a conversation. Like, would you rather have an axe or a machete when the zombie apocalypse happens? Would you rather live in the mountains or go to the beach? Or would you rather have a Humvee? Or I mean, I've had a million of these conversations. And we believe in the supernatural, but you know, when it comes to our faith, we doubt that God can and does uh, speak. And let me hear it just tell you this morning, emphatically, God does speak to his people. He does speak. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening? So this morning, we're going to look at five ways that God speaks, and then how do we respond when he does speak? Five ways that God speaks. 
And how do we respond when he does? The first way God speaks is through his word. Now, I had been going all high tech for like a couple of years now, but I wanted my Bible up here this morning. I wanted to, to grab the pages and hang on to the word right here because God speaks. The number one way God speaks to his people is through the written, revealed word of himself right here in your Bible and in my Bible that God wants to talk to us through his word. In fact, look what the Bible says about itself in Hebrews chapter 4 makes some really crazy bold claims. It says, For the Word of God is active, alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Now, we try to make the Bible cute and fluffy and put rainbows and flowers and all this soft stuff around it, but it's actually a dangerous book, and it's a powerful book. It has power to change lives and to change situations. Just ask, uh, just ask Goliath how powerful God's Word is. So I don't know if you know that story, but a little shepherd boy came and killed a huge nine-foot giant, not because of any military tactics or any kind of advantage he had. He killed him because God had decreed that the word, the, the land that those people were defending, the Philistines, was to be taken by the Israelites. So when David stood on God's word, he cut off Goliath's head because of the power of God's decreed word. It's powerful. It's like a sword. And it says this. It penetrates even to dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, God's word was given not just for information, but for transformation. So you and I, it's really safe to just learn things about God and learn things about life and learn things about the Bible and in history and all these things surrounding. But God isn't so much interested in our information intake as he is for our transformation of our hearts. That's why the word was given. And it's not so much how much you know unless what you know begins to change your life. So let me just ask you, do you know God in his word? I mean, is, is getting this book open and getting in front of it and trying to listen to the Word of God and listen to God's voice, is that something that you are intent in doing? And if God were to speak, as you sat with your Bible, would you recognize His voice when He did speak? Uh, this past week in small group, we asked the question, we said, how has the Word of God changed your life? I thought it was a great question. How has the Word of God changed your life? Because if you can't look back after you've been taking in the Word of God in sermons and, and on the radio and reading the Bible and all these things, and if you can't point back to things that you used to be and you used to do and you used to think and you used to believe, and now there's a radical transformation that I don't think that way and I don't act that way and I don't have that attitude anymore and that behavior's gone and that habit's been crushed, if that is not the story of your life, if you can't point to one thing that has changed, then something is broken. And we're not, we might be reading the word of God, but we're certainly not listening to the voice of God as we read the word of God. Now, we get mixed up. We get told all kinds of things. We live in the information age, and so we get bombarded with all kinds of information. And sometimes we attribute uh, truths and sayings to scriptures that are not actually in scripture. So I'm going to give a few of you just to kind of set the record straight. One thing is, uh, you've probably heard this one, that cleanliness is next to godliness. And that's not in your Bible. Okay, well, that was an easy one. Y'all knew that. And then we say, but God helps those who help themselves. And that is not only not in the Bible, that's probably exactly the opposite. And then we say the root of uh, the money is the root of all evil. We misquote First uh, Timothy six. It's actually the what? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Good. You guys are sharp. I didn't. I was trying to sneak that one by you. And then we say, God loves the sinner, but hates the sin. And while that might be biblically accurate, that might be a, a true statement, that was actually Gandhi who quoted that, uh, coined that phrase. See, we as Americans, we buy half a million Bibles every year. 
We don't lack the information. We don't lack the accessibility and the availability of God's Word. What we lack is a consistency in God's Word so that this book and the God who wrote it, the living God, He can take those words and let them leap out of the page and leap into our hearts and radically change us and speak into our lives. That is what we lack. So God, if if you hear nothing, God longs to speak to you like he spoke to the prophet Isaiah through his scripture. And he wants you to listen to him as you do. The second thing that God's uh, way that God speaks to us is through his spirit, to the Holy Spirit. Now, if um, depending on your church background and your your, um, upbringing, you probably have a kind of a, a variety of reactions going on in the church here this morning. If you grew up Methodist... And you hear the phrase Holy Spirit, uh, you might just think, what? I don't know. We went to a Methodist church a couple weeks ago when we were here, and they were very much into the Holy Spirit. And then some uh, Methodist churches probably don't talk about it, a lot like Baptist churches. How many of you grew up Methodist and the, and the phrase Holy Spirit, uh, you heard that a lot? And they were comfortable with that concept. Okay, a few of you. Now, if you grew up in the Catholic Church, that might be a concept you didn't hear a whole lot. If you grew up in the Baptist Church, it was probably a bad word. Right? Anybody want to admit to that? You, The Holy Spirit, we didn't talk about Him. Anybody? That was sort of my upbringing. Like, that's just, uh, that's just out there. And then if you're a Pentecostal or a charismatic background, the Holy Spirit was your best friend. And yeah, woo, who did that? Woo-woo, yeah. And so we all come with sort of a variety of different uh, a background and thinking when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So let's look what Jesus said about His Spirit. And He's about to go back to His Father. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to be uh, put to death. He's about to resurrect and go back to heaven. And He's talking to His disciples and He says this, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. See, this is a tremendous promise and over and over in scripture it says, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God isn't just out there somewhere that he's in here and he's implanted in you. And he becomes a real very part of your life. And that's why before you were a Christian, you could go and do things that were immoral and not feel bad. But once the Spirit came inside of you, you the slightest little white lie will drive you crazy. Because the Spirit of God is in you, convicting you and changing you. And, and when God lives inside of you, he can speak to you, Right? Let me ask you this. Have you ever just had, you're in a situation and you needed God to to speak and a random verse just popped into your head? You were just needing to to know something and a verse would just pop into your head and you go, that's it. Guys, that is the Holy Spirit of God. Or maybe have you ever been faced with a temptation? That never happens, right? You're faced with a temptation and just out of nowhere, you think of, the consequences. You think of your family. You think of the, the, the aftershock of if you made this choice and you realize that it's not the right choice. That is the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, guiding you into holiness. You ever been faced with a decision? And you just honestly you don't know where to go. You, you weigh the pros and you weigh the cons and you just don't know what to do. And then out of the blue, there's an insight that just hits you. We, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but we went to this thing. They did a, a, a scan of our heart and our lungs. Gabe and I, my parents paid for this. They want to make sure I wasn't going to drop over dead because I looked like a heart attack victim waiting to happen. And actually, I had a grandfather die in his 40s from a heart attack. So my dad was really concerned that I be checked out. So they do this scan, and they're trying to sell us on buying a membership for seven years and come and get scanned every year. And, and we're like, well, we need some procedures done, and maybe this is the solution to that. And Gabriel's like, but wait a minute. If we do this and they find something, we still have to do the other procedure anyway. And out of the blue, the insight came to her. We're like, yeah, we can't do this. We're not wasting our money on this. Insight just came out of nowhere. You ever had a person pop into your head so strongly 
their name or their face or just the feeling you got and you thought, I need to pray for this person or I need to call this person, I need to check up on this person. That is the Spirit of God. And that's God speaking to you and I and you call and you realize they're in a point where they really needed you. That happened to me last week. I said, I don't know that you know what's going on in my life, but thank you for reaching out to me. I really needed to hear from you. That's the Spirit of God speaking to His people. Now, what I have to say here is, we just said God speaks through His Word, and then He also speaks through His Spirit. So what we can tell you is that when the Spirit speaks, it will always be in line with what the Word of God says. Isn't that right? God wouldn't contradict Himself. Uh, I had a man several years ago come to me and say, Hey, thinking about getting a divorce these are, this was a couple that was a part of our church. And, and I said, well, has there been any infidelity going on? Any sexual misconduct? No. Is there any form of abuse, abuse or neglect going on in this relationship? He said, no. He said, I just really believe God's telling me it's time to move on and, and start over again. Trying to ease his conscience on this decision he had already made in his heart. I had to look at this man and say, absolutely not. I can promise you one thing. God is not telling you to do that. He's not telling you to do that. I've seen it too many times, and I think this is one of the hardest things about being a pastor. If somebody gets new life in Christ or, or, or really starts to grow in Christ, then they get connected to the church, and they're flourishing, and they're thriving, and then something happens, or, or some little thing drives them away, and they don't they just sort of fade away and and when you ask them about it they say god told me to go and sometimes god tells people to go right but what i hated is when god didn't say go and they go so god speaks to us through his word and he speaks to us through his spirit he also speaks to us through his people you and I. He speaks to us through the people. Now, this can be abused. You can, uh, you might have been a part of a church uh, background that someone stranger would just walk up to you and say, God gave me a word about you, and they start talking prophetically in your life. It can be abused in some ways. And I think sometimes because we're afraid of that, we, we tend to not ask advice and not look to people to, to give us input. But what I'm talking about is when friends and family and people that love you and they love Jesus, but they love Jesus more than they love you, so they'll tell you the truth. When they speak into your life, we should listen. In fact, this is what Proverbs says, Proverbs 15 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So when we're facing decisions and we're needing direction, we should be naturally looking to people that know that we, that we know love us, that love God, and we're seeking their wisdom and asking for their counsel. Like church. <laughs> like your small group. Like the ministry you serve in. And... and when God is speaking and you, you feel like, okay, whether I'm talking or Jeff or Story or whoever, Billy was preaching, uh, and, and you feel like, man, they're talking right to me. That's not us. That's God trying to communicate to you. And when He meets you right when you're in your moment of need, that's God's people. God's speaking through His people to give counsel to you. You know... um, I thought this was really weird. Years ago, I was just a new Christian. I was late in my late teens. And my sister came up to me and she said, you're going you're gonna to minister and be preaching and teaching and sharing the good news with people someday. I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> that was the furthest thing from my mind. And my sister got a little bit wrong. She says, you're going to be leading youth. Uh, so she didn't see it all the way clear, but she, she put this and I have never forgotten. This is like, I'm not gonna give my age away, but almost 30 years ago, she said, you're going to be doing this. And I thought, there ain't no way, but she loved me and she loved Jesus and she spoke truth into my life. And I don't, I hadn't asked her to this day how she knew that, but she just knew and God spoke to me through my sister all those years ago. 
You know what the hardest thing is? Is when you go through something painful. You're going through a tragedy or a crisis or a season of your life that you just feel like everything is wrong and everything is off and you're experiencing inner turmoil and pain. That's that's not a fun place to be. But when Jeff got diagnosed with cancer, what I loved what he said is, I just want God to use this season. I don't want to just go through this season. I want God to use this season in somebody's life. And guys, if that's you, if you've gone through pain and a season of hurt and tragedy and you've come through, then God wants to use you as his people to speak into the lives of other people that are facing a similar thing. And that makes the pain more worth it, doesn't it? Fourth way, God speaks through his word and his spirit and through his people. He also speaks as we become still. We get Still, we get quiet before God. That's number four, being still. And so I want to read Psalm 23 to you. And it says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Wait a minute. I lost y'all, didn't I? That was actually planned. Because it's hard to hear the voice of God when we've got noise going on in our lives, isn't it? It's hard to hear the truth and the voice of God and the direction of God when the noise distracts us and pulls us away from what God is trying to say in our lives. I got you, didn't I? (laughs) He didn't say, be really busy for me and know that I'm a God. He didn't say, get on a bunch of teams and serve me a whole lot and know that I'm God. He didn't say, book up your schedule so full you don't have time to breathe and know that I am God. He didn't say, get your your life so full that you take a couple minutes in the car with me each day and know that I am God. He said, be still. Be still. And know that I am God. And I love that the word be still in that passage. It has sort of a double connotation. It's the idea of stop moving. There's an outer noise that we've got to separate ourselves from the hustle and bustle and just stop moving for a minute. But it also carries with it the idea of an inner quiet that that the, the word means stop striving Stop going after, stop working your head, your mind a million miles an hour. Stop trying to figure everything out. Be still outside and inside. And guess what? You will know that I am God. It's awkward when it's still. It's really awkward when it's really still, isn't it? But in the quiet moments like this is when we can hear the voice of God. Occasionally he'll shout over the hustle and bustle of our lives. But I can't help but think he's talking all the time. We'll see that in a minute in Isaiah's life. But we're just not listening because there's too much noise. And he gets drowned out. And we miss the voice and counsel and direction and power of God in our lives because we can't hear it. He says, be still and know that I'm God. I mean, I hope that's a, a daily habit for us to get still before God and listen, believing that he wants to say something to us. I know for years that's been my intention is daily spend time with God in that, in that way. But I just wanted to say publicly and thank the church and the leadership publicly for two weeks I got to get still. Two weeks, I got to listen to the voice of God. And can I tell you, God spoke. And he's probably been speaking this way a long time, but I finally took time to stop and listen to what God had to say to me as a a follower of Jesus Christ, as a husband and as a father and as a pastor and as the leader of this church. I'm not special. 
He's got things to say to you about your situation and your roles and your career and your family and your heart condition and your uh, future and your direction and his plans for you. God is willing and ready to speak if we'll just be still and know that I'm God. You know, I used to argue with hunters all the time. They say, oh, I'd get more spiritual out in the, up in that tree hunting them deer than I ever am at church. I was, oh, that's a cop out. And it is still. I'm looking, I'm looking at you. <laughs> but I kind of get it. Because <laughs> it's still. And it's quiet. He speaks through his word. He speaks through his spirit. He speaks through his people. He speaks when we get still, guys. And he speaks through the circumstances of our lives. He speaks through circumstances. See, Jesus shows us who he is in the middle of the storm and the crisis, unlike any other way that he does. And yet when we see a storm coming or we're in the middle of the storm, we think that God is against us. I just read in Hebrews 12 today, God disciplines those he loves. And the storm is not God's punishment. The storm is not God betraying us. The storm is not God leaving us. The crisis in our life is actually God drawing near to us. And we can hear God say things in the storm that we can't hear anywhere else. That's what Billy preached on last week. In the storm on the Sea of Galilee that blew in and it was crazy. And yet through that, he, Peter and Jesus had a conversation in an intimate moment that they couldn't have had anywhere else. And God spoke in the storm. And sometimes this is the only way God can get our attention. Can I tell you of all the five ways that I want to hear God speak, this is my least favorite way. How about y'all? Sometimes we can only learn and hear and get instructed by God the hard way. Can I get an amen? In fact, Psalm 32 puts this beautifully. Look at this. God is speaking. I love God's heart here. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, should go. I want to counsel you and put you on the right path. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Does it get any better than that? I want to put you on the right path and I'm going to be fawning over you while you're going down that path. I want to learn that way. I want to be in the will of God that way. I want to follow the voice of God that way. How about you? Or, He says, I got another way. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. God says, I've got two ways to be your counselor. I can lovingly put my eye on you and instruct you through my word and through my spirit and through my people and you being still. And you can know my will for your life. Or I can put a bit in your mouth and I can control you through circumstances. And I can make you go where I want you to go because it's for your own good. I'd rather lovingly lead you there, but I have to force you there. I will because I love you that much. Man, I'm so glad God speaks. I'm so glad that we can hear his voice. And if he's speaking to you, the question is, as a follower of Jesus Christ, what do you do with it? How do we respond to the voice of God? Here's three things I want you to hear. Three steps we all need to take to take the counsel of God. The first thing we need to do is we need to seek it. We need to seek his voice. We need to seek his counsel. We need to seek his direction for our lives. And you can ignore it for a while. You can run from it for a while. But God will not be denied and you will not outrun God. He will run you down. In fact, it says this. Ezekiel 36 says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Listen to this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 
And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God says that if you have a desire to obey me and a desire to know me and a desire to seek me, it's because I put that desire in you. You're not really seeking me. I'm causing you to seek me. How humbling is that? Because you are here today, you are seeking God. And the reason you are here today is because God put the desire in your heart to get up, go through the rain, go through the mess, get your kids dressed, yell at each other, get in the car, get here. Because He wants to speak to you. And He loves you. He put that desire in our heart. He, when Christ comes in, He takes out this heart of stone that is dead and is selfish and is broken and He implants a new heart and a new spirit that desires the things of God. And that is all God's doing. Every single one who has accepted Christ, that was God's doing in your life. Every single one of us. He did that. And our part is simply to cultivate, to reciprocate, And when he causes those desires in us, we just respond to him and we seek him with our whole heart. You know, I recently read an old um, Cherokee tale. It's a it's a, uh, a Cherokee Indian who is talking to his grandson. And he's telling him about life and he says, I don't know, Tenderfoot or whatever his name was. Uh, he says, there are two evil, there are two desires, two warring forces inside of you. And they are two wolves that are fighting each other. The one wolf is full of envy and, and selfishness and hatred and, the, and anger. And the other wolf is full of love and life and peace and contentment. And they're always battling one another. And the little boy thought about that a minute. And he says, well, which one wins? And the grandfather says, whichever one you feed... Whichever one you feed, that's the one who will win. So God is speaking. Are we seeking Him out? Are we desiring to hear what He has to say? Are we feeding that side? Are we feeding what God wants to say into our lives? So we need to seek it. The second thing I need to say is we need to own it. We need to own it. We need to agree that whatever God says, that it is true and that it is good and that it is best. Look at what the psalm says. Psalm 119 says, your statues are my delight. They are my counselors. Man, have you ever felt that about the word of God? And when God just punishes you, just rips you up and says, you think, oh man, I, I'm awful. I stink. Have you ever thanked God for showing you that? And say, man, I don't measure up to the law of God and thank God that you've revealed that to me. We need to embrace God's voice at all costs. When we own it, we're just saying, God, uh, I'm not going to try to reason with you. I'm not going to try to bargain with you. I'm not going to try to seek some compromise with you. That God, when you speak and you speak clearly in my life, then I will move forward with confidence regardless of the cost and regardless of the course. I... um. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my sabbatical. I was gone for a week, and I was going to be home for a week with my family. And I started feeling bad the first day on Monday, and I kind of gutted it out. And so I came home early because I was just feeling miserable. And if you're feeling miserable, you want to be home, right? And make everyone else around you miserable. I mean, that's kind of my theory there. <clears throat> so I'm home, but I was like, I still want to hear the voice of God. And Gabe's working, and the kids went to school. So I'm going to get up and go somewhere. And I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to go to a coffee shop today and just listen to your voice. And I'm trying to decide what coffee shop to go to. And uh, and I rattle all these things off in my head. And I had the brilliant idea like, God, what coffee shop do you want me to go to? Like that was my last thought, right? And, uh, and so I'm praying, okay, God, which coffee shop do you want me to go to? And the first one that popped in my head was Commerce Starbucks. And I thought, huh, oh. <laughs> Commerce Starbucks? I don't want to go to Commerce Starbucks. And so I thought, I'll go to Mall of Georgia, I'll go to whatever. Anyway, I went through this long list, but I kept coming back to Commerce Starbucks. And I said, okay, God, I'll go to Commerce Starbucks, whatever. And I'm sitting in there, and this young man walks in, and the back of his shirt says, Death Wish. I thought, okay, now I know why I'm here. <laughs> and he comes over to get his coffee, and I said, I got to ask you, man, what's your shirt about? 
And we get into this amazing conversation. And I get to ask him about his spiritual beliefs. And he's not a follower of Jesus Christ, but his dad was a pastor in his church that they were in got burned. And he rejected the faith. And I got to point him to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that my faith rests on that one thing. And if that is true, then we owe all of our allegiance to Jesus Christ and to him alone, regardless of what a church has done and regardless of what has happened in your past. And I said, man, I, um, I'm really glad I met you today. His name is Alec. He was a young engineer moving to Atlanta. And uh, he said, man, this is the most significant thing that's happened in my life in a while. I said, thank you, God, for bringing me here. I didn't want to go to Commerce Starbucks. But God wanted me to go to Commerce Starbucks. We don't bargain with God. We simply own what He says. The last thing that goes right along with it is we obey it. We seek it, we own it, and we obey it. Listen to what James says. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now that's about as simple as it gets, right? Whatever you read, don't worry about what you don't understand. What you do understand, when you read it, you go, I need to do that. I, I don't know if you've had this experience. But we, you know, anytime you get, remember when the week first came out and then it was so cool you could move and it, you, this is so old, right? This is so 2008 or something. But you'd move and it'd move with you, right? And you're all, like tennis was like this. You know, you, you know you're moving all over. And after about a month, they're playing Just Dance in my house, and I walk in the room, and they're laying on the couch doing Just Dance. <laughs> I'm like, that's not right. That's not obeying what it says. That's wrong, but that's what we do with God's Word. We don't take action on what He says to do. I can tell you this, we don't get to go to the next thing with God until we are right and faithful to the now thing with God. We don't get to know what's next. We don't get the next chapter. We don't get the next revelation. We don't get the next blessing. We don't get that till we are faithful with what is in front of us today and obedient to that today. Before Isaiah got this revelation in chapter 9 that Jesus was coming, God spoke to him in a very tangible way in chapter 6. And I want to read this passage to you. And he says this. He says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? He had humbled himself and got right before God and said, I'm going to obey you, God. And that's when he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And you can imagine, Isaiah says this, Here am I, send me. Here am I, God, send me. And this is before he knew anything about what God wanted to do in his life. Anything about what the assignment would look like. Anything about what it would cost him. He just said, God, if you're speaking, I'm listening. And if you're speaking, I want to be obeyed. So whatever you say, whatever comes out of your mouth, God, I just want you to know before you say it, I will obey you. And he laid his yes at the feet of Jesus and said, I'm just going to tell you, I'm all in. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm in. That is how you respond to the voice of God. That is how you and I take him as our wonderful counselor. As we just decide today or every day in any moment it's applicable, that God, when you say it's true, I'm in. Now, If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, there'd be some theologians that say, you can't hear the voice of God. I don't believe that. Because if a non-believer or someone that has not received Christ can't hear the voice of God, then none of us would be sitting here this morning. Because at some point in our life, none of us were followers of Jesus Christ. And yet God in His infinite wisdom and grace decided to speak into our lives and speak into our hearts and show us our need for Him. And they, he illuminated the fact that we are unable and un, uh, uh, unable at all to be morally sufficient before a holy God. And he convinced us of that. And he convinced us of the beautiful nature of Jesus Christ. That he was this child that was born 2,000 years ago. But he was also the son that was given. That means that he has always existed and he stepped out of heaven. And that little baby that was born and that little son that was given grew up. 
led a sinless life and was willing to be tortured and killed on your behalf and on my behalf. That the price that you and I owe God for our sin and our rebellion was paid by Jesus Christ. And he was willing to do that for you and I because he loves us. And God spoke that into our hearts. And when we heard that, we responded with yes. God, I need your forgiveness. Yes, God, I need your love. Yes, God, I'm insufficient. But yes, God, I believe you're enough. And maybe that's what God is saying to you this morning. He's convincing you of those things. He's convincing you of the fact that you're insufficient in and of yourself. But he's also convincing you as you sit here this morning that Jesus is sufficient. That Jesus Christ is enough. That faith in him is the answer. And that if you place your faith in him, you can come home too. And you can have a relationship with God that is free from worry, free from shame, free from condemnation, and altogether good. That's what God offers you this morning. And if he's speaking to your heart that way, what he's saying to you is come home to me. I want you to come home. Regardless of where you've been, come home. Regardless of the sin that you're trapped in, Come home. Regardless of what has happened to you in the past, come home. Regardless of your doubts about the future, come home to me. Because I love you. And I want a relationship with you. If that's where you are this morning, I want to pray with you. Because God has made a way. And he's paid for your sins. And it's not enough just to know that. Remember, God doesn't want us just to have information. He wants us to have transformation. He doesn't want you to know He loves you. He wants you to experience that He loves you. He doesn't want you to intellectually agree that He could forgive you. He wants to extend forgiveness to you today. So as God is speaking to your heart this morning, and you're ready to come home to Christ, I invite you to pray with me. Let's bow our heads together. God, it gets really weary running, avoiding, debating, wondering, wishing, but not knowing. God, you want us to know today that we have a relationship with you, that we can be forgiven. And we can experience the full extent of your love. That you are willing to die. Not just for the world, but for me and for you. If God's calling you to come home today, you've been running from him. He's ready to accept you back in home. If that's your desire, simply pray with me. Say, God, I want to come home. You made me. You love me. I believe that. In fact, I know you love me because you sent your son Jesus for me. And the best I know how, God, I put my faith in you, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross. And because you were the God-made flesh, I believe you rose from the dead. And you conquered death. And you conquered hell. And you conquered my sin. And now you give me life. God, I want your life. Just simply tell them that. I put my faith in you, Jesus. God, we rejoice with those who said that to you today. But God, as a church, as every single one of us here, we want to, I pray it's my their desire that we want to hear your voice. God, I pray for a tangible decision in the hearts of those who need to hear your voice. God, that they'll block out some time or or they'll seek some counsel or they'll see you in their circumstances and they'll acknowledge your voice. They'll own what you're saying. And God, as a people, we would learn to obey your voice without hesitation and without reservation. God, make us those kind of people that say, here am I, God. Here am I. Send me. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
God is with us We'll go before He will never leave us He will never leave us God is for us He has opened us He will never fail us He will never fail us Sing it again, God is with God is with us will go before He will never leave us He will never leave us God is for us He has opened us He will never fail us He will never fail us Lifted up He defeated the grave to life, our God is able. In His name, we overcome. For the Lord, our God is able. Lift it up, lift it up. Defeated the grave. to life, our For the Lord, our God is able. For the Lord, our God is able. For the Lord, our God is able. You guys can be seated. Doesn't that give you hope? courage. He's with us. He's able. This morning, if you'd pull out your connection card, we want to respond to, to the message this morning. I just want you to look at the first line there. It says, I'm asking, I'm coming home to God, asking Him to save me. If that was your prayer this morning, man, we'd love to know that. We want to celebrate that with you. We want to, we want to encourage you with that decision. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. And so we, we feel responsible as a church body to encourage you. So if that was your step today, we want to make sure we follow up with you and show you the love and grace of Jesus Christ. It's good to be home, isn't it? It's good to be home in the arms of our loving Father. I'm going to pray for our offering this morning. Hang on to your card just a second. I'm going to walk you through a couple more of these. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. God, you had no compelling reason to offer us to come home. We don't bring anything to the table. We have nothing on our resume that impresses you. But God, in your grace, your love, and your mercy, you open your arms wide to the prodigal son, to the prodigal daughter, to the one that is far off and to the one that is near. And because you love so well, God, we just want to tell you thank you. We praise you, God. We want to praise you with our lives. And in a moment here, we want to praise you with our giving, God, because you're so worthy. Take all that we've said and sung and thought and done and gave today and take it as worship to you, God. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.